Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Iron Flute, Case 82. Ganto's Axe. Toksan, Ganto's teacher, once said to him, I have two monks in this monastery who have been with me for many years. Go and examine them. Fugai's comment, why don't you go yourself? Ganto carried an axe to the little hut where the two monks were meditating. Fugai comments, have you wiped your eyes well? Ganto brandished the axe, saying, If you say a word of Zen, I will cut off your heads. If you do not say anything, still, I will decapitate you. Fugai. Raising waves where there's no wind. The two monks continued their zazen, completely ignoring Ganto. Fugai, stone Buddhas. Ganto threw down the axe, saying, You are true Zen students. Fugai, he is buying and selling himself. He then returned to Toksan and related the incident. Fugai, a defeated general had better not discuss warfare. I see your side well, Toksan agreed. Well, tell me. How is the other side? Fugai, who are the others? Tozan might admit them, replied Ganto, but they should not be admitted under Tokson. Fugai, Should one go to the country of mosquitoes because one dislikes the country of fleas? Nyogen Senzaki's comment. Tozan would meditate with his monks, seldom using koans. Toksan would try to corner them with a challenge. I join Fugai in asking, Have you wiped your eyes well? Just because Zen is divided into two major schools does not mean that either school should never employ the other's methods. Genro's comment. Why did Ganto say the two monks should be allowed in Tozan school but were not suitable for Toksan's? Sincere readers of the Teteki Tosui, the Iron Flute, should ponder this. Fugai, why did Genro make this remark? Genro's verse. Two iron bars barricade the entrance. Fugai, how can you open them? One arrow passes between them. Fugai, the arrow is not strong enough. It is not necessary to discuss Toksan's method. Fugai, very hard to glimpse it. After all, Toksan surrendered. Fugai, sometimes a pet dog will bite. 
Yogin Senzaki. Instead of sending Ganto to examine them, Toksan should have been pleased with the two monks. Ganto always made trouble. In my opinion, Toksan is defeated, but not Ganto. When I have a visitor who likes to argue, I serve him tea. I do not allow him to talk much while we are sipping. And he must leave after the third cup. When I have a visitor who likes to argue, I serve him tea. I do not allow him to talk much while we are sipping, and he must leave after the third cup. Where do the arguments come from? I hear a lot of arguments in Dogsan. This kind of argument. Well, but you said this, and why didn't you make that clear? And how can you explain? And what is the definition of? And why can't I? And on and on. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. I know, because when you're in Zazen, so-called, there's a lot more. So naturally, it comes out. We say in Seshin, the most essential thing is silence. But it's amazing how many ways people find to continue the dualistic mindset. Even in the Zendo, there's so much cogitation. And then coming together in any kind of group fashion in an informal way, like trying to find your seat for nighttime Doksan line. Well, I was there. No, she was there. No, she was behind me. No, he was in front of me. Why was he in front of me? Well, you don't go there. No, no, I was there. Go behind me. You may not even say it, but the argument prevails. And it becomes very disruptive. So seshin, seshin means, setsu shin means to unify, to bring together the mind. The mind is already one, but the tendency, which is honed over so many years of your lives, is to try to take it apart. Take this oneness and make it two. So we really have to apply ourselves to seshin, to this mind. We can feel it certainly from time to time. The oneness, the magic, the mystery of just this moment this, and certainly the Zazen periods in the Zendo, for the most part, are felt deeply because we are fundamentally one and because we are embraced by the oneness of this amazing Summer, week, days are long, nights are short, the birds, the insects, 
everything is chanting the sutras. If we don't hear it, it's because we have been arguing. Therefore, although I do not have an axe in the Dogsan room, off with your heads! You will thank me. So an example of the great, all-pervading harmony that we can tune into here is today's chanting of the Ryogonshu, the Surangama Sutra. I am sure that you all felt the way those syllables just flowed, even if your tongue was tied in the midst of one five syllable word or another. Hmm? So beautiful. And then, after that dynamic chanting, we had the slow and stately dedication. I don't know about you, but I've never heard anything more beautiful. The zazen that followed was just without argument. This stately realm of true wisdom we are living in. All we have to do is shut up. Not only shut up in the zendo when it's not chanting or in the Dharma hall, but everywhere, wherever you find yourself, Tenzo, Jisha closet, your own room, always, most importantly, in what you have identified as your mind. Anyway, today we meet Toksan and Ganto, who have quite a few occasions to meet in one koan or another. Toksan Senkan was born in 782 and died in 865, two years before Rinzai's passing. He became a Buddhist monk at a young age, and as most did in the monastic system, studied precepts and sutras and scriptures. And in his study of the sutras, one really profoundly moved him. What was that? The Diamond Sutra. And he began to really focus on this, strongly concentrate, giving himself over to it completely. And he became an expert. Now, about this word, expert. Shumyu Suzuki said something I bet many of you remember. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. But in the experts, there are few. So Toksan became Diamond Sutra expert, very confident in his accomplishment This word confidence is very interesting. Rinzai often would say to his monks, you know what ails you? 
What ails you is a lack of self-confidence. What is the self he's talking about? An ego entity? A separated identity? The master. The master. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. She may have read the book of Rinzai. He said, just become the master wherever you are. Then any place you stand is the true place. Wherever you go, true place. Into the dining room, true place. Into the bathroom, very true place. And yesterday, wonderful talk on Zwigon calling himself Lester. Are you awake? Are you awake to your awakened master? Master. The master within. The master of circumstances. To be this, we are not blown hither and yon. We are not like a cork bobbing in the waves. We know this mind. We know our ultimate destination. Rinzai also said, the state of Buddhahood cannot declare, I am the state of Buddhahood. Rather, this very person of the way who doesn't depend on anything is the master of circumstances. So when you have a different kind of self-confidence, confidence that is more like bravado or arrogance, What's that based on? Ego. Mm. Ego entity. Confidence in your own achievement, your own attainment, yourself, yourself apart from so-called others. This Confidence in the separate self is, we might say, false confidence. And it's very easily disrupted. Something put on in order to get something. The head put on above your own. You already have a head. Why are you putting that head over your own? Seeing the self and others as two. Seeing your own achievement as something special. Declaring, I am the state of Buddhahood. Or, I am an expert on the Diamond Sutra. Do not be deceived. This self you have concocted, ignoring what you perceive as others spells trouble.
Shoto Hara Roshi said, unless we awaken to this truth of no self and no other, we'll be confident only when things are going the way we want them to go. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Yeah, I feel good about this session. Oops. <laughs> the limited confidence of the ego, he said, depends on an external position. And when that position is gone, confidence is gone as well. So at this point in his life, this was Toksan's confidence on external renown as a Diamond Sutra scholar. So many of you know the story. I won't go into it fully, but just a few high points. He lived in northern China. And the gradual school of Buddhism held sway there. Be diligent with your scriptural studies. Rise through the ranks. Polish the doorknobs well. And one day, how does the Gilbert and Sullivan line go? Hmm? Nobody remembers? You too may be master of the king's navy. Right. <laughs> Polish those doorknobs, yes. I will not sing it. You too. That was the way Buddhism was taught there. And he truly believed that that was the only way. And so he decided, having heard that in southern China, there was the Zen sect, he would go down there and show them the efficacy of his own brand of Buddhism. Zen sect, of course, followed the four principles that were based on Bodhidharma's teaching. Which four principles are these? First, you all know Bodhidharma? Okay, remember? A special transmission outside the scriptures outside the scriptures what okay number one he had to disprove that one no dependence on words or letters no dependence on words or phrases or doctrines right that's two he was not so sanguine about that either. Three, directly pointing to the human mind. What is that human mind? Sentient beings are fundamentally directly pointing, right? Nothing in the way, just... Can't say a thing about it. And seeing into one's fundamental Buddha nature. So these four, the Zen school, have, has, has as its basis. And so he went down south. What happened? This story is told in case 28 of the Moon Kong Gateless Barrier. What happened? He got hungry and thirsty, right? Long trip from northern China to the south. So what did he do? He stopped at a tea house. He stopped at a tea, at a tea house. That's right. And, of course, there was an old woman there. <laughs> Always. 
So he ordered from her Tenzin. Tenzin has two meanings. One is refreshment or snack. What's the other one? To light up the mind. Okay, I'll have a light up the mind. <laughs> mm. Over easy. So she asked, Hmm, what are you carrying in that sack on your back? Oh, my commentaries on the Diamond Sutra. Oh, she said. I understand that in the Diamond Sutra it says, past mind cannot be grasped. Present mind cannot be grasped. Future mind cannot be grasped. So, with what mind will you have your Tenzin? If you can tell me, I will give it to you free of charge. What happened? This famous scholar couldn't answer her. He had every single word of the Diamond Sutra in his mind. He had a commentary on every phrase, and yet the key line of the Diamond Sutra, the trigger for the Sixth Ancestor's Awakening at the age of 24, was what? The mind that abides nowhere. Hmm? Cultivate this mind. The mind that abides nowhere. So here's Toksan, great scholar, and feeling quite humiliated not to be able to answer this old woman. And he humbly asked, how do you know about this? Who is your teacher? And she told him, you time, just down the road a bit, is where he lives. And so, feeling this very deeply, this humiliation, this humbleness, this is really a necessity for us. When we have this kind of false confidence, when we have not yet experienced the master within and are taking on all kinds of what we think will serve us well, imitation of this and that, and we are thrown off course by some challenge. This humiliation. This is where true practice begins. This is where true insight can occur. And there is nothing left to strut around with. So anyway, he went to Ryutan's place and they talked into the night and it was time to leave and he parted the curtain. It was pitch black out. So then what happened? He offered him a candle. He offered him a candle, a lantern. And just as he was about to take it, what? Blew it out. Maybe you know Leonard Cohen's song, 
We want it darker. We kill the flame. Utter darkness. No eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind. Nothing can be distinguished. Nothing can be differentiated. Then, then, at last, Toksan. see his own light. And he became a great master in the Zen school. Very fierce. He used his stick liberally. And his words are often quoted. Thirty blows if you speak. Thirty blows if you don't speak. So that brings us to today's koan, quite naturally, right? If you say a word of Zen, I will cut off your heads. If you do not say anything, Still, I will decapitate you. And this is said by Gonto. Yesterday we heard about Gonto Zenkatsu. He was Zuigan's teacher and one of Toksan's most brilliant and trusted disciples. And of course, Toksan's Dharma heir. And as Nyogen Senzaki says in his comment on this case, he was known for making trouble. Another way to put that is, he was very capable of rising to the occasion. Remember in case 13, when Toksan was carrying his bowls and Seppo, Ganto's brother, who was Tenzo, said, oh, I haven't struck the drum or the gong for the meal yet. What are you doing here, old man? And what did Toksan do? Mm, he turned around, right? And went back to his room. This is when he was quite elderly and no longer needing to be so fierce. He could just in complete equanimity turn and go back to his room because he had trained Ganto to make trouble for him. time. When Tenzo runs out, it's very important that we end. <laughs> Something burning? Well, as we heard yesterday, Ganto's life was cut short by the bandits. He was 60 years old. It was the year 887 and they surrounded his temple, and all of his monks ran off to hide in the forest. Ganto simply sat. In perfect composure, and one of the bandits stabbed him. At the moment of his death, as 
you heard Gantole let out an ear-splitting shout, which, it is said, was heard for ten miles around. And he again became the source of great trouble, even at that moment of his death. Troublemaker. <laughs> for whom? You can say it out loud. Hakuin! Great Master Hakuin! So, from 9th century to the early 18th century, Hakuin heard that shout, just as we do. Same time, same station. Right here today, United States of America, we are receiving, we are giving beyond any conditional space or time. Just now, just. But the young Hakuin, hearing this, was very upset. He thought, if even the great Ganto was unable to escape such a terrible destiny, being killed by a bandit, what good is it to be a Zen monk? I'm sure many of you have thought such a thing, right? Really, if my dear Dharma sister can be felled by cancer, that's the point. Of course, you don't say so or think so in out loud or any way that you would have a dialogue with others, but there may be this feeling. That leads to doubting everything. And this happened to Hakuin. He was just admired by this disillusionment and doubt. His own sense of purpose was called into question. Practice seemed pointless. And he gave up or tried to. What happened when he was passing through some temple who was airing out their books, just closed his eyes and picked up one of those books, spurring students through the Zen barrier. Okay, he opened it. Jimyo, whenever he was lethargic or sleepy, he took an awl, a sharp metal point, jabbed it into his thigh. You can try it. <laughs> this is something you can really try. You don't need an all. A-W-L. You don't need an instrument. You can use your thumb right here in this acupressure point. Press hard. Try it now. You'll maybe wake up. Yes? Are you having a great awakening experience at this very moment? Don't. No, no. If no, press harder. Right here. This is an acupressure point. Between the thumb and the knuckle of the forefinger, there is a place where if you press hard enough, you will be in pain. <laughs> And acupuncture, acupressure, moxa, all of these Asian techniques are based on pain, the kind of pain that heals. So try it. You'll like it. Hakuin was 
So inspired by this, he rededicated himself. And this kind of thing, again, like humiliation, this dark night of the soul, is crucial to our practice. We can't afford to become complacent. Many of you may be tormented 100% of the time, so I don't need to talk to you. But there may be some who are, okay, yeah, right, this is fine, okay. No, no, no. The dark night of the soul is essential for what? Great doubt. Great doubt. Doubt. Everything. Of course, that which looks solid. Of course, that which appears to be a separate self. Of course, the tea in the bowl. Doubt everything. Because it's essential for what? This is not news, is it? Three crucial Zen practice. Supports, we could call them. It's like a three-legged stool. What are the other two? Great faith. Great faith. You cannot find great faith just by saying some affirmation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm Buddha. I'm a sentient being. Yeah. <laughs> you must go through this process of struggle. And if you are feeling complacent, press harder. Doubt more deeply the faith that is generated from this is. Beyond comprehension. And what is necessary for this process to occur? Great determination. And this rededication Hakuin went through, gave this to him. And when years later he established Ryutakuchi in Mishima, what was written over the Zendo door, we saw it. Remember? What did it say? Remember? Okay, Dokoro. <laughs> That's it. Great out, Zendo. Yes. And you know the story after this Hakuin sat and sat right through the eruption of Mount Fuji and the earthquakes did not for a moment consider leaving everybody else. Come on, come on. It's going to be terrible. The whole place will be Swamped by lava. No, just continued sitting as Gonto had when the bandits came, alone in the Zendo. And we might think, oh, maybe these two monks being threatened by the acts of Gonto also were doing this kind of deep concentration beyond any 
considerations of life and death. Anyway, Ganto is given the task of investigating them. Dogsan with an axe. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. If you say a word of Zen, I will cut off your heads. If you do not say anything still, I will decapitate you. Holding this axe, the axe was a very useful tool back then, right? What was it used for, among other things? Chopping wood. Chopping wood. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Cutting heads off turkeys or chickens? Mm-hmm. Cutting dead wood. So here are these two monks. If you speak, off with your head. If you don't speak, either way, you die. This is true examination. This is a true doksan. Soen Roshi, when he was a monk in Mongolia during the years that led up to World War II, went to see his teacher, Genpo Roshi. And afterwards, he spoke about it as, I have been scratched by the tiger's claws. So these two monks didn't fall into Ganto's trap at that point. There's Ozen, like Ganto's, like Hakuin seemed imperturbable. And then Ganto said, You, he threw down the axe, he said, You are true Zen students. This is a much more terrifying trap. <laughs> when you go to Doksan and someone says, oh, very good, you really get it. Very dangerous. So he reported back to Toksan, who then asked Ganto, said to him, I see your side well, but tell me, how is the other side? Well, Ganto said, Tozan might admit them, but they should not be admitted by Toksan. They should not be allowed here in your monastery. What is he saying? Why? About these true Zen monks. Fugai has a comment, you may recall. He inserts comments. It's very difficult when I'm reading this, you have to keep in mind, because I try to change my voice. But Fugai this comment is stone Buddhas. What would you do if Ganto appeared before you during your zazen and said, if you speak, off with your head. If you don't speak, I will still slice your head off. 
Would you just sit? Or would you stick your neck out to make it more comfortable for Ganto to... This is a very interesting point of Zen practice. It's very easy to become a stone Buddha who cannot respond. Very challenging when you are threatened to come forth with confidence, true confidence, as Rinzai said. Are you ready to lose your life? This is session. If you are clinging to some semblance of what you think is your life, then I guarantee you will get to the seventh day complaining all the way. Why not? How come we have to? I don't like this. I had a good sitting. Where'd it go? You have to be willing to die. As the saying goes, to die on the cushion. Of course, if you are near death anyway, who here is near death anyway? No problem, right? What would I possibly think I could preserve? What can I possibly imagine would be able to be kept, preserved, kept, put in a jar, you know, strawberry preserves? No. Of course, we are not saying in some literal fashion that we advise suicide on the cushion. You may use an awl for your thigh, but no need to get an axe and decapitate yourself. The point of this is that you are going to be challenged if you haven't been already in your life. Are you going to run, turn tail, say, well, it's not my problem? Or are you going to stick your neck out? Engage. Respond. Realize that by maintaining this separate self, you are not helping anyone, especially not helping what you perceive of as yourself. What self? So some of you may not know, but Tozan Yokai, who was referred to here by Ganto, lived in 807 to 869, around the same time. With his disciple, Sozan was the founder. The two of them were the founders of the Soto school, Soto, which is known for cosmic mudra, just sitting. Shkandaza. So Ganto is kind of taking a little swipe at the Soto school here, right? When you think, however, about how things have grown up, matured in the Dharma, you find that the Soto school today is actually the most engaged, the most willing to offer, the most admirably seeking compassionate action. So 
no need, as Nyogen Senzaki said. Just because Zen is divided into two major schools does not mean that either school should never employ the other's methods. He himself, after all, was ordained in the Soto school, practiced with Soenshaku at Engakuji in Kamakura, Rinzai, great master Rinzai uh, school, and very beautifully brought them together in his teaching. Then Genro has an interesting remark. Why did Ganto say the two monks should be allowed in Tozan school, but were not suitable for Tokusans? All right, so again, you may see the kind of pejorative aspect here, right? Ganto's, oh, just sitting. They're not suitable for my teacher's place, Tokusan's place. They should go to Tozan. Then he says, sincere readers of the Teteki Tosui should ponder this. This is in uh, the introduction by Nyogen Senzaki, who compiled the Iron Flute, translated and edited the Iron Flute 100 koans with his disciple, Ruth Strout McCandless. He says, Teteki Tosui is the name of the original text. Teteki means iron flute. Usually, a flute is made of bamboo with a mouthpiece and several side holes for the fingers. But this flute is a solid iron rod with neither mouthpiece nor finger holes. Tosui means to blow it upside down. So can you picture yourself playing this solid iron rod hanging upside down? And then he says, the ordinary musician who wanders among the lines of the grand staff will never be able to handle this Zen instrument. But one who plays the stringless harp can also play this flute with no mouthpiece. Now you know why the book was named Teteki Tosui, blowing upside down the solid iron flute. It is a book of the sound of one hand. It is the daily life of Zen. In Genro's verse, he says, two iron bars barricade the entrance. What are those two iron bars? Who are they? That's a hint. Hmm? Mm, you could see it that way. Hmm. Who are the teachers who appear in this koan? Anto and Toksan. And then the next line, one arrow passes between them. What is that arrow? Fugai? Hmm? Fugai? At that time, Fugai was not there with them. He came along later. He was a disciple of Genro. 
How about when Ganto went to give Dogsan to those two monks? What was his arrow? What did he say? He brandished the axe, yes. What did he say? Don't say a word of Zen. <laughs> All right. Fugai is not so sure about it. He says, the arrow is not strong enough. Then Genro's third line, it is not necessary to discuss Toksan's method. This subtle master. Go and examine those two monks. Oh, it's not time for my meal? Okay. Go back to my room. And I see your side. Oh, trues and monks. What about the other side? Oh, they are not worthy of Tokson's monastery. They should go to Tozon. After all, Tokson surrendered is the last line of the poem. This surrender, carrying his bowls, Accepting what Ganto reported and just asking, where's the other side? And Fugai's comment. <laughs> Sometimes a pet dog will bite. We have come to such a beautiful point in our anniversary session. And tomorrow will be the middle day. And I wanted to encourage everyone to chant Tei Dempo in the way we were taught some years ago, which has become somewhat uh, slow and ponderous. And so if I may, I will read out loud a couple of lines so you can see that there's no need to drag out the honorifics of Butsu, Sonja, Zenji, okay? So we might say, Bishafu butsukur son butsuk nago muni butsuk asho butsuk shakya muni butsuk makak asho sonja anan sonja shonawashu sonja or Eno daikan zenji nan gaku ejo zenji so this is a string. All of these names were, these are the beads on the string, the sutra. That's what it means, sutra. Suture it comes from. Each name passed on the dharma. We should not be making a space between them by going Anya Tara Sonja Bodai Daruma Daishi Ekadai Sozenji. No, no, these are one, these ancestors ending most recently. 
with a dose of Taizenji. Then who comes next? Where's the axe? <laughs> this has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.